Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It felt like they were like mm. someone was trying really hard to film a really gritty episode of EastEnders and they've ended up with this. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I watch it, I, I feel like I start off hating it. By the end, I'm kind of like, yeah, maybe like aristocracy is bad. <laughs> Russell Crowe, Hugh Jackman, Sasha Baron Cohen, Anne Hathaway, Eddie Redmayne, Amanda Seyfried, uh, Helena Bonham Carter. Like, there's a big cast. None of them can sing. <laughs> but when when he kills himself, it's really funny. It's really funny. <laughs> Hello everyone, joining Flixwater today we have Sam. Hello. Josh. Hello. And as always, Kobe. Hello. And we're going to be talking lamers. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello everyone, thanks for listening. This is Flixwatcher Podcast and our guests today are Sam and Josh. If you could please say hello and tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Uh, hi, I'm Josh. I'm one half of uh, the Truly Happily Madison podcast, uh, a podcast dedicated to the entire filmography of Happy Madison Productions from 1999 to current day, which I co-host with Jack Gregson. Um, we've got another film coming out soon as we finished our initial run of the first 47 films of Adam Sandler's Irv. But yeah, stay tuned. We'll have another one coming up soon. Is Happy Gilmore actually a Happy Madison production? No. Or does that come afterwards? Yeah. That, I was... No. The first one is Deuce Bigelow, Male oh. Gigolo. It's a shame because I mean, most people cite Happy Gilmore as the best Adam Sandler generated comedy. Yeah. And you're missing out on that. There, There's no... <laughs> There's no comedies in, in Happy Madison <laughs> productions, but yeah, they try their best. They try so, their best. You're suffering for your art. Exactly. <laughs> and for listener enjoyment. What was that one that he, when he signed that deal on Netflix where he plays a Native American, uh, is, yep. is that one of them? Yeah, no, that's one of them, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Ridiculous Six, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I made it about 20 minutes into that. So what, what's the rest of it like? Oh, it's good. <laughs> so you what? He's very clever, Adam Sandler, because he likes to make the first 20 minutes of all his films really terrible, and then they become, you know, incredible awesome. works of dramatic okay. genius. Okay. So, yeah, go back. Absolutely can go back. I, I watched one on Netflix, Murder Mystery. Uh, that was really good. Like, that was a good mm. Adam Sandler mm. film. <laughs> like, actually good. It's solid. I th- <laughs> I think they've got a sequel coming up as well. Oh, okay. I'm excited for that. <laughs> yeah. 
What about Hoobie Halloween? Is that a, is that a Happy Madison? That is, yeah. <laughs> Basically, all the Netflix and mm. the uh, Andy. I always want to say Andy Sandberg. Adam Sandler films are yeah. They're all apart from Uncut Gems, etc. All the like comedy ones, which Uncut so, Gems yeah. could be. Anyway, yes. Sorry. So Mayorit stories we've had on here. We've had Uncut Gems. Both mm. we think are good films. Um, Neither. Not Happy Madison. <laughs> so won't won't feature on your podcast. Shame. Who are you on the other side? Uh, I'm Sam Clement. Uh, I host a podcast all about under 90 minute films called the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. We have done zero Adam Sandler films so far. I don't know if he's done an under 90 minute film. Um, maybe a Hotel Transylvania. Eight Crazy Nights. Eight Crazy Nights. Okay. Eight Crazy Nights, I think, is 88 minutes or something. Okay. And isn't the Paul Tom Sanson one? Oh, no. It's, it's like annoying. It's like 94 minutes. It's uh, okay. it's really it's, there's, there's a doing the podcast. A lot of people do suggest films that are like ninety one, ninety two. I get it. I see the logic. Do the credits count? It's the eternal question. But I want the back of the DVD or the Netflix mm. listing to say ninety minutes or less, please. Uh, that's the qualifier. So uh, yeah, sadly not. But that's good to know that there is a potential Adam Sandler film uh, that we can talk about on the show. Uh, we'll see if anyone picks that. No problem. I'm sure that works. <laughs> If only there was an Adam Sandler expert. Uh, I spend a lot of my time talking about under 90 minute films, but I also do a podcast all about Nancy Myers's very over 90 minute film, The Holiday, uh, also uh, as a bit of an offshoot because I'd love, I love I love Christmas, love Christmas movies and The Holiday, not only the best Christmas movie ever made, but one of the greatest films ever made. And it's nice to dedicate uh, the, some time to that every Christmas doing a couple of episodes each year. Well, yeah. It's a, it's a lovely it's a lovely watch a lovely watch a lovely listen. Um, we're here talking today about Les Mis, which is your choice, Sam. Can you tell us first of all why you chose it, and then we'll get the timer for the synopsis in sixty seconds or less. Um, I don't <laughs> I don't quite know why I chose this film. I think I was I was in a mood for a musical, and Netflix doesn't. Whilst it has an incredible library of films, doesn't have a lot of musicals on. But I thought Les Mis, it's a classic musical. It's been around for a little while, and uh, and this film when it came out was really hyped, won lots of awards, and I remember watching it at a sold out screening at my my local cinema, and uh, people going crazy for it, and uh, and I thought it's time to revisit to see if it if it holds up uh, on on the Netflix. <laughs> and the synopsis timer starts now. Uh, I was dreading this. I'm going to wear down the clock by just talking about my <laughs> psychology behind it. Um, this film is all plot, like it's a heck of a lot of plot. So I'm going to give it a go. Basically, there's two guys, right? Two buddies, two bros. They're not. They hate each other. It's Jean Valjean, played by Hugh Jackman, Wolverine himself. He's a prisoner. He's he's freed by Javert, who's played by Russell Crowe, who's, I mean, he's a something in this movie. He's a police officer or a, a police inspector, and they kind of have this uh, drawn-out relationship over the years. Jean Valjean becomes a mayor, he owns a factory, he adopts a child, um, Russell Crowe's following him around like Snoopy, and, uh, and and it ends in a nice big <laughs> sing-song in the street in Greenwich. I think that's about the plot. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what uh, I think that's what Tom Hooper and Hugo, whatever his name is, Victor Hugo. Version. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly what Victor, Victor Hugo, Hugo said to his publisher when he uh, pitched it. Yeah. <laughs> What's the synopsis? This <laughs> film is just is so much plot. Oh, it goes on. Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is. There's there's probably like four lines of dialogue which is spoken properly, and that I know puts a lot of people off. Does it put you guys off, Helen? You said singing, singing dialogue. As, as there's a lot of singing in this. There's like two hours and 37 minutes of singing. Mm. This is this is a lot. Um, I haven't seen the stage 
I have I have I don't really have any this is my only entry point into mm. Lemis and uh there's a lot of close-ups that's that's one thing <laughs> like if you're a director and you think right musical something that happens on stage where how can I bring the wonders of pure cinema and make it the best experience ever on screen I'm just gonna do loads of really close-ups people's faces yeah, that's-, that's it for a long time it reminds me so much of what is that film the revenant like the shaky cam like fish eye that they keep sticking into like russell crowe's haggard face is just it's wonderful <laughs> i think it was hard to be french at that time i mean no one's french it in was, it are they it's hard to be french <laughs> There definitely is like a, I think in the the, the tens, the twenty tens, there was this sort of revenant aesthetic. You're right, where people everything was like quite grey mm. and brown, and there was like one colour that might be sort of like it's blue in this film. Like they'll pick out the blues in the grade, mm. and they're they're trying to make it look really gritty and lived in. But then also like it's supposed to be a little, you know, it's supposed to be a musical, and it, it sort of feels like the 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 way it's shot is really counteracting that stagey kind of uh, experience that you're supposed to have. It felt like they were. Like mm. someone was trying really hard to film a really gritty episode of EastEnders and they've ended up with this. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, I don't mind the, I don't mind the close-ups because I think the difference between, I think it's time it's actually taking advantage of the medium because some of my favourite shots in cinema history are when like you zoom in close on people's faces, you can really see them like thinking and it can do that. And I think the, some of the criticism of this version of um, Anne Hathaway's version of um, Fontaine when she's when she's singing "I Dream a Dream" because she's not on the stage. You really she really belts it out. You see you see Susan Boyle. She really belts it out in front of that X Factor or whatever it was that she did it. But uh, Anne Hathaway's version, she's like because that story is like that song is like really sad. But and because she can be really close in on the, you can actually she can actually sing it in a way that makes sense to the song. Mm. Um, so I actually quite liked the choices that they made in some cases. But I know that sometimes when She's the camera's right in Sasha Baron Cohen's face, and he's moving along at like twenty miles an hour. Then I, I can understand why that's a bit like, what's going on here exactly? And you don't have a, an orientation of where they are in the scene. But I think sometimes, yeah, when when for that 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 one scene particular, I thought it was really appreciated being close on Hathaway's face and her singing a lot more softly than the stage version. I have seen it on stage. <laughs> Has anyone else seen it on stage? No. <laughs> no. The film was my... It's like you're thinking, have I seen it on stage? No. <laughs> I feel like I should because it's one of those really long-running shows. You know, that's always incredibly mm. popular and, and they have some high-profile casting from time to time and uh, and, and all sorts. I think just before the pandemic, there was a spin-off show on stage, which was just the songs. It's all songs. Um, <laughs> which was just the songs oh, of every, yeah. a celebrity cast, including Matt Lucas and, and a bunch of people, Alfie Bow uh, okay. and things. Mm. So, uh, And it was in the theatre next to Les Mis which is really odd I think Les Mis was closed for renovations so they sort of did like the greatest hits next door but yeah I feel like I should as a, someone who lives in London it feels like I, I, I'm i losing London points by not having seen Les Mis yeah it does feel like a rite of passage I think it's it's one of those things that's like um, Rock Horror Picture Show it's like on somewhere at all times and if Rock Horror Picture Show isn't on at a cinema or this isn't on in a theatre then something's wrong with the world yeah oh i haven't seen the show but i have seen star of the film hugh jackman's one man show at the o2 where he (gasps) it's like an audience with hugh jackman and he sings Mm. some of his greatest hits including a couple of songs from lamez mostly songs from the greatest showman but a couple of songs from lamez and i was there that night you were there oh were you uh, oh amazing yeah it was yeah because we did the thing of like instagramming 
we yes. were at the thing and we we're like, yes, we're at the same thing at the same time. <laughs> that that also happened with um Ron Swanson, man. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> We've got to stop meeting at um famous men's shows in London. Back to them is, I mean, Josh, what 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 are your thoughts on it generally? Uh, <laughs> I, I start off every time I watch it, I, I feel like I start off hating it. And as it goes on, I still hate it, but I get but I like I get into it. I get into it in a way that by the end I'm kind of like yeah, maybe like aristocracy is bad. <laughs> <laughs> maybe poverty's bad. I've been changed. This is feeding into the modern day billionaires and like the Bezoses of this world. Exactly. But uh, you know there's a lot of aspects of it I hate, but there's a lot of things that are just like it's quite fun. It's quite fun. <laughs> I like Do you know, I know this is gonna come up at some point. I like Russell Crowe in this film. <laughs> I really do. I, I think he's trying to I think his I'm best. probably with you on that. I don't think he's the worst singer in it and he doesn't look very comfortable but it's... he doesn't look comfortable but he's trying he's trying Whereas he wears a nice like... blue hat for a lot of the film <laughs> he wears a nice blue hat he has that bit where he looks through the window and he's all sad and confused the meme the, meme. the bit the bit that I always forget about is the this is very late film but when when he kills himself it's really funny. It's really <laughs> funny. Because it's this really horrible, like, oh, I can't go on. My morals, like, who am I if I don't believe in the rule of law? And then, you know, like, I get it. And then he jumps off. And then Tom Hooper just decides to cut to this wide shot of a dummy just slamming <laughs> into a... <laughs> It's like the scene from, well, Titanic. yeah. It's like a certain, yeah. It's like the Titanic hitting the propeller or just, or like the Midsummer hammer. Like, just like... <laughs> It's incredible. But... It's like early bad staged uh, stunts in Hollywood. I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. That's one of the biggest things I heard was that Russell Crowe sings really badly in this. But I, I thought, is he play, is he singing that badly? No one's singing. I don't think anyone's got an amazing singing songy voice. And that's, mm. I think, apart from Anne Hathaway in that one song. I mean, Sasha Baron Cohen definitely. He's not trying to sing. He's just doing. He's just doing some kind of thing um so i didn't think it was about that and i think because jean valjean is uh sorry javert is, is the bad guy essentially in this so if he's singing a bit gruffly I, I was like it's that kind of makes sense to me i don't know apparently because obviously i didn't realize this but it they're, they're actually singing singing which just sounds like really extreme um so because they were singing properly they weren't allowed any alcohol for the whole filming, and apparently uh, Russell Crowe quite struggled with with not having <laughs> access to alcohol for this, and so did uh, what's the chops the only girl? No, because Amanda Seyfried. Yes, Amanda Seyfried because mm. Courgette. Um, they those were the two who who struggled with it. Um, what about Gavroche? Was he? So that's was he, why he was a bit fucking Gavroche? <laughs> He's my most Which hated part Rush? of the film. He's the little fucking child. He's the oh, kid. Yeah. <laughs> glad. When he dies, um, you're like, yes. yes. you're like, fucking yeah. Why didn't you take him down in the first shot? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it generated some empathy towards the child character in the film. <laughs> it is a bit of a mad cast though, isn't it? Um, it's just very up and down. Like, I think... Eddie Redmayne is completely miscast and sings a bit like a Muppet. Yep. Uh, Hugh Jackman, apparently he, he went for without water for 36 hours so he could kind of achieve 
the kind of like shrunken eye look. And Anne Hathaway refuses to talk about how she manages to lose the weight for for her role because it was too extreme. And that is her real hair. I mean, this just... It's, on, it's online. No, it's online. It's on, oh, is I it online it now? Yeah, I know, she, I know she didn't want to discuss it because she didn't want other kids to emulate what she did. Uh, but yeah, it is online as to what she did. Um, Google kids. Yeah. You've got Anne Hathaway being like, I won't talk about it because you know, it would be so terrible. And then you've got Christian Bale out there being like, I ate an apple and a can of tuna kids. This is what you did. <laughs> what did for the machinist. Yeah. For the machinist. <laughs> I love how big the cast is though. They have Russell Crowe, Hugh Jackman, Sasha Baron Cohen, Anne Hathaway, Eddie Redmayne, Amanda Seyfried, uh, Helena Von Carter. Like there's a big cast. None of them can sing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hugh, that's it. I mean, Hugh, we, we've seen Hugh sing, and he's in, in The Greatest Showman. He can sing really well. And I've heard him singing live, and it's like, he's good. But that's something about some musicals. Do you really need to sing like well? Uh, I don't know. I think I, enthusiasm I, I find, is mostly what you need. Like, yeah. if you, you can ride on enthusiasm. And I feel like Hugh has made a career out of riding off the enthusiasm. <laughs> 100%. That is what, that's what he can do. That's why I think he's one of the worst singing people in this film. It's just like, you can tell he's really proud of himself and it's just extremely mediocre. But it really works in The Greatest Showman because it's all about like panache. But if you're trying to do like... I'm a guy who's bitter and then hiding or whatever. It just doesn't make sense to have that big bravado kind mm. of belting singing, maybe. But uh, he's always big. You're, you're, you're right. He's also like really enjoying it, even though he's like, oh, I'm an oppressed prisoner. He's yes. enjoying that. He loves it. He loves, loves pulling it. that giant boat in or picking up the flagpole. <laughs> it did. His yeah. favorite things. Yeah, it was picking, picking up the flagpole, giving himself away by picking up the the uh, the, the wagon. <laughs> That's the only way. There's only one strong man in France. (laughs) That was quite funny. That was, uh, yeah, Russell Crowe's character is an inspector, I think, in this. So that was him doing some good inspecting. (laughs) Wait a minute. A mayor wouldn't pick up that cart. (laughs) I knew a guy who had your face and was also strong. (laughs) It wasn't, was it not the face that gave it away, uh, Russell? Or was it? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guy picked something up once. Eight years ago, a man picked up something just like you. He really hates it when people play marbles around him. He just cannot stand it. Oh. Um, I, I, I find myself. I was mesmerised by this film. I got to be honest. When mm. when I first watched it, I was just like, "Why do I love it?" In a way, because <laughs> it makes it's nonsense. When Garrosh comes on the screen, I'm instantly irritated by his voice. But also, I'm also like, after that song finishes, like. Oi, everybody, my name's Garbrush. I'm like, it's, it's completely nonsense. And literally, that my Spotify, my Spotify Best of the Year, whatever it's called, was mm. Les Mis soundtrack after that. Because I could not get enough of it. And when someone, when this is nominated, I was like, I need to listen to that soundtrack again. Um, for me, actually, the soundtrack in isolation is probably better than the film. Because mm. um, I think you get everything you want from it without having to pay attention to the screen <laughs> uh, but I, I in spite of myself i can i, I can understand why people don't like musicals because when you think musicals you think this mm. and it's it's hard to take in but also for me it's just like it had me it had me at hello it had me at 24601 it had me at the no i stole a loaf of bread <laughs> <laughs> and i'm java <laughs> <laughs> 
like, why, why is this working? And that guy who, who gives him all the silver and says oh, he I didn't do take like that enough. Bit. That's nice. It's, I mean, it's it's very nice, but I'm still like, I don't know why I'm taken by this film. It's it's a magic trick. I think it's a magic mm. trick. Um, have you have you seen any of the other? versions of Lamez. Like I remember a couple of years ago the BBC made a drama version. Like every so often people try making drama version dramatic versions that yeah, are based there was, on just it was the a couple story. Years, it was only a couple of years ago. I haven't seen it because I, I knew it wouldn't wouldn't have the singing. Yeah so no one has. Because do you want to see <laughs> do you want to see a story without singing? No, because no, it's fucking they should have called it more miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else guys want to say before heading to the scores? I think you guys all enjoyed it more than me. Like I, I, I really sort of regretted picking this. You know, I thought it'd be a fun. I thought it'd be a fun night out in the theatre, guys. Um, I thought I'd have to come on here and apologise, but I'm glad you all found some enjoyment in it. Yeah, I don't know. I think for me, it's Tom Hooper's second best musical. That's my hot take. <laughs> As a bit of insider baseball, guys, this is um, in the previous episode. Josh came on to talk about Cats, which is Tom Hooper's other musical. Mm. And if you want to hear our talking about Cats, then. Scroll back down the feed a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, and there'll be cats. <laughs> that press play on that. <laughs> that does lead me into something I did want to ask about this. If but no one here's actually seen Lamos, have they? Like the stage. On stage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've seen oh, it on stage. You've seen it. You've seen it on stage. Yeah. Those little asides that Sasha Baron Cohen and Helena Bonham Carter make to each other, like they mm. have some like little cutesy jokes that they make to each other. Is that in the musical? I so I think because I saw the musical after watching the film, so I think they've retrofitted a lot of stuff from the film into the musical, and I don't think that if you know I don't think the original versions of the film had that kind of stuff in it. Uh, in the same way, when you get the novelization of, of books or books <laughs> change, yeah, books that exceed that existed before the film change slightly to match the film a bit mm -hmm. more, so people get that. So I think that's. I don't remember it not being in there, but I think a lot of the film changed, a lot of the stage show changed to incorporate that stuff in there. Mm. Um, I didn't write down the exact lines, but it reminded me so strongly. Is it of, like the Cosette's Cosette bits and things like that? That kind of stuff. But yeah. also it reminded me so much just because we were just talking about it there on this episode, talking about cats, the mm. weird little insert shots that they have of Rebel Wilson talking to... I think his name's Robert Fairchild, who plays Monkey Strap. And it's just like, they just left the camera going on them. And they say yeah. things like about Jason Derulo. They're like, oh, maybe he just got neutered. And I'm just, and it falls completely flat. And I'm just wondering if Tom Hooper has no idea what comedy is and thinks that every musical needs like a weird little comic thing. Comedy side bit. Has he got comedy in his back catalogue? Danish Girl, no. no. Damned United. No. <laughs> Well, with that, guys, let's let's head to the scores. Hello, I'm Sam Pay, and I'm Martin Zoltz-Austwick, and we are the two hosts of a podcast called Song, Song by, by Song, Song, where we listen every week to a track by the musical artist Tom Waits. Uh, you might know him for his gravelly voice, <coughs> and very nice, his appearance in films, but also his multi-decade spanning career uh, involving blues, jazz, and all sorts of other kinds of experimental music. So we're basically like a book club for Tom Waits. And if that sounds like your cup of tea, you can find us at songbysongpodcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of the scores are out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish. And uh, you picked it, Sam. So we will start with you, please, with your recommendability. <laughs> um, I 
couldn't in good conscience uh, recommend this to someone <laughs> I liked, uh, but good one for you people who you're not so fussed about maybe um, i i don't know i think if you like musicals uh, i sort of would just go like it's one of the biggest musicals of all time go and watch it but for your person on the street maybe there's, there's other things on netflix i'd recommend there's other tom Hughes musicals on netflix i'd recommend um i think recommendability for me this is like it's a specialist subject you know if you like musicals it's fine it's a two out of five for me on that one yeah, same. <clears throat> Although maybe rising to a three out of five, if you if you have a friend who really hates annoying kids, you can then be like, don't worry, one gets shot and killed. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> okay. Three out of five. This, this like made millions at the box office, like mm. millions and millions. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, if you want to see Anne Hathaway looking a bit like an upset, sexy mouse and singing, then <laughs> this is this is the, the film for you. Uh, it's very long. It's there's a lot of singing in it, and I think if you love the musical, you're you're probably going to love this. I can't believe that I'm saying like it, you know, Cats is much better than this. Like, I never <laughs> yes. thought I would be saying that is the the better to 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 go and see i'm gonna give it three though because people do love it and i guess if you you've maybe grown up with it and the songs then you're going to enjoy it but it's just a it's just not directed very well i think is is the main thing it's just it's just very bad so what was your score sorry three three i'm gonna go 3.5 i think you i think it's, it's a it's a hard sell because it is literally singing and singing for a long time and a lot of it's quite bleak. And I think towards the end, it does drag. And this is why, in spite of myself, I don't know why I'm enthralled by it and the the soundtrack. It's, it's a really strange one. Um, but I think people, it'd be a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people. Um, repeat viewing score, Sam. I mean, I watched this once in 2012 or 2013, whenever it came out. <laughs> and I watched it once again for this podcast. So once every 10 years, that's my that's my tempo. But something that was nice about rewatching it uh, was I noticed the uh, the end of the film, the suicide scene uh, with Javert, is, it was shot at, uh, outside where I used to work as a Saturday job in Bath in Somerset. Um, I used to work in a souvenir shop on Pontney Bridge selling like fridge magnets to, to tourists. Mm. And um, it overlooked this really lovely bit of water. A lovely bit of water where you could commit a suicide. <laughs> so it reminded me of my Saturday job from when I was a teenager. Uh, so that was nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know. I feel like it's a two, two out of five on this one as well. <laughs> Josh. Yeah. How many times have I seen that? I think this is either second or third watch. And like, I do, like I said, I do get swept up in it. But like, I'm... There's never going to be an. There's never going to be a time that I'm like, oh, you know what I fancy today? Lay Miz for three hours, <laughs> like, or for the best part of three hours. So, like, yeah, I think that's maybe a two. Once a minute, I'm having an all right time, but I would never seek it out. So, yeah, two. Helen, you know this was meant to be four hours, like originally. What? <laughs> like four? rumors are four hours. 
So we. But that's how long stage shows are. Maybe you better get ice hours. cream. Like, yeah, it's true. You get an intermission, a toilet break, and uh, yeah, a little ice cream. <laughs> Hold on. What kind of what kind of situations do you live with at home where you can't pause your own Netflix? <laughs> I mean, my version of Netflix doesn't have a pause. What? <laughs> have I been missing this all these years? <laughs> I just watched them straight through. Um, no, that is true. But uh, it's more exciting to go to the theatre, Lavi, right? Than than your home one. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> You'd have to clean up afterwards. <laughs> Splash everywhere. Unless it's the Barbican, like, <laughs> fucking hell, their toilets are the worst. <laughs> um, I think I got everything I wanted from this on my soul watch, so a one for me. Oh, is, is this your only time watching it? Yeah, I didn't see it at the cinema, and it's never... It's, it's, I've never gone, I really should see this, and I've never been kind of curious to see it. don't know why. Um, I'm going to go for a two here. I've only seen it twice. Uh, probably will see it again. I think once every 10 years makes sense. Mm. Um, but I do listen to the soundtrack a lot. So I think I'll just keep on listening to that. Um, small screen score, Sam. I, I don't know. I, I think I enjoyed this as much on the small screen as I did at the cinema. So I guess that's quite a good small screen score. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I... I think it works just as fine at home as it does at the... It's not like a big sing-alonger type thing like Rocky Horror Picture Show. You know, you're not dancing in the aisles for lame is, I don't think. Um, although maybe you are when you're just listening to the soundtrack. I'm going to go three out of five uh, for this one. I, I sort of feel it kind of works fine either way or doesn't work fine either way, depending on how you <laughs> your outlook on life. Uh, Josh? Yeah, I think a three. I think a three is right. Um, it's perfectly serviceable on a small screen I feel like it would have been perfectly fine on a big screen not much difference apart from you would have been able to see like really far up Hugh Jackman's nostrils which would have been <laughs> exciting so you miss out on that slightly unless you clip unless you sit very close to the TV but yeah I just, it's all fine in it three Helen I think the reason I would have wanted to have seen it at the big screen is I would have wanted to see who these people are who were going to see it repeatedly <laughs> again and again like, who are these people? Um, well, so you wanted to not just go to sim once, you just wanted to stand outside the room and like tally the people. Have you been before? Have you been, is this your second time? <laughs> get a, like a club card stamp and you get yeah. to see it. Sick being free. Yeah, you get some baguette with it or something. <laughs> it's um, interesting what people go back to repeat view films about before, isn't it? Because... I mean, that's why the King's Speech was so big is because people, first of all, people who did go to cinema went to see it because they thought, you know, the King, uh, but also people watched it multiple times and like Titanic was huge because people went to see it loads of times. Mm. Um, this for me, yeah, it's, it, it is interesting. I've, I mean, I've, most Marvel films I've seen at least twice in the cinema because why the fuck not? Because it's <laughs> better. <laughs> but yeah, this to go see it twice in the same run? I don't know. I don't know. I think um, if you like the soundtrack, it's like going to see your favorite band, and I think that's why people go to watch it multiple times. You know, mm. like, I want to, I want to go and see, hear the songs again on the big screen whilst I still can. You know, last chance to see. Uh, I, I think that was maybe the compelling reason, but um, it didn't yeah. resonate with me. <laughs> uh, small screen score, Helen. I give it a five. I think it's fine on on your home screen. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, would people sing along in the cinema on this one? It kind of feels that. The songs, to be able to sing along to it in the cinema, like, you'd really need to belt it out because... Mm -hmm. 
feels a bit like that. So yeah, five. Watch it at home and sing along if you want to. I could definitely imagine Prince Charles coming on and doing like a fancy dress, um, Les Mis. And been, I think the people he gets will be more the drama kids though, rather than mm. just the people who come off the streets thinking, oh, pitch perfect, sing along. <laughs> yeah, I'll have a go. I think it's, it'll be a different crowd, but I'm sure they'd still get a bunch of people who'd be interested in doing it. Um, yeah, I, I totally enjoyed it a lot more in the cinema than I did on small screen. So I'm getting it for 2.5. Engagement score, Sam. So I, was, I watched, I mean, I watched the whole thing. I didn't, I was sort of, <laughs> I was doing a lot of thinking about my life choices during the film, but I didn't like have to pause it or or sort of, you know, wander off or anything uh, during, I think it, once it starts, it is quite a compelling watch, but maybe not for the reasons the filmmakers intended uh, <laughs> uh, there. And, and I also think like, it, because it is a really star-studded cast over a long period of time and some people aren't in it for a whole bunch and some people mm-hmm. don't come in until later on, there's always something new to entertain you and the time jumps and, and Russell Crowe's uniform changes slightly. Uh, <laughs> that's quite that's quite juicy, that stuff. Um, so maybe a four for that one. Like, just didn't really enjoy the movie as a piece, but I think it was reasonably engaging uh, to okay. watch, if, if not for the... Just the anticipation of how haggard Hugh's going to look in the next scene. Josh? Oh, uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think it's really engaging. Like Tom Hooper's vision of creating such a rich fantasy world of France. Is, <laughs> it's like fantasy world, isn't it? It's just, it's just wonderful. It's like going to um, Café Rouge. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah exactly. It's, you're completely right, Sam. Like It does have all those different sections that sort of drive you through um the film and you well for me it's like oh when's Javert gonna show up again that'll be nice or <laughs> you know i wonder what josh is standing Javert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like which helena bonham carter character has tim burton lent out to this film today like it's, it's just yeah but i did i did have to watch this film over four viewings because i have um a very terrible attention span and <laughs> Yeah, I did feel a slight betrayal, Sam, when I saw that you were being courted for this film and you chose the longest possible film on on Netflix. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Engagement score, I, th- I think a three again, because, you know, bad, but bad, but I will sit through it. I will. <laughs> Helen, Helen, bad, but will sit through it. <laughs> it's, a, it's quite an exhausting watch. It was, it's quite exhausting watching it. I mean... It's really miserable and (laughs) (laughs) it's really hammy as well. And, but you know, you kind of get through it. Um, Yeah. Three, three, I think for engagement for me. Um, Yeah. I'm going to go for a a bit higher, going for a 4.2. And that is at the end, I think it does really drag after Cosette and after Two four six and one saves um Kazette's betrothed, I can't remember what his name is, Eddie Redmayne. Then it kind of keeps on going for a bit longer. And I'm just like, I don't care that much anymore. Once the once the barricades once Gavroche is dead, once the, once the barricade's been taken down, um, it just kind of peters out for a while. Um but up until that, you know, I'm up until Gavroche gets shot, I'm I'm in it. <laughs> Um, highlight that's the pinnacle <laughs> they also never get into like how every single wound on eddie redmayne's body is is irreversibly infected after <laughs> after jean valjean throws him in, like fucking yeets him into a sewer like 
Maybe good. it's just no way. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's that kind of gross. All and, fine. Anyway, that gives an overall score of 2.88750. I am astonished that this scores lower than cats. Um, but that's how our that's how our system scoring system works. Well, there you go. Um, Oscar winning Les Mis scores <laughs> scores less than cats on Flixwatch podcast. <laughs> the people just don't know what they're talking about, and we clearly do. Yeah, exactly. Do you hear the people saying, "Don't give a shit"? <laughs> guys uh josh sam can you sign off by telling everyone we can find you online and we'll say goodbye to everyone listening i have been josh and you can find <laughs> me on twitter uh instagram letterbox at papsby at papsby that's at papsby the rhymes with gatsby and you can also keep up with uh, the podcasts that i am sporadically doing with my co-host jack gregson at true hat mad on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I've been Sam. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sam underscore Clements uh, and my, my pod endeavours at the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. Uh, and, and you can just find it on wherever you're listening to this, type in uh, 90 Min Film Fest or something along those lines. We will not be talking about Les Mis because it's about twice as long <laughs> as, as a 90 minute film should be. Um, but uh, but there maybe maybe there's other Russell Crowe and Hugh Jackman films we can find. We will, we will see. Uh, and if you do like long films, do check out the holiday season because that is a very lengthy Christmas romantic comedy uh, which we've been uh, talking about on that show. I've just followed, I, I need to up my game on, on Letterboxd this year. So Josh, I've just followed you. Um, mm. So Ooh. yeah, I need, to, I need to start tracking my, my films better. I'm going to start following you and, and commenting on the films that you watch. Well, I might not do you. that. I'm obsessive uh, about it. <laughs> I, I got addicted to it last year. I love it. It's unhinged on there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks so much, guys, for joining. It's been a pleasure talking about Les Mis again. Um, cool, thanks for having thank us. You very yeah, much. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. Bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.